Welcome to Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth, the podcast of Plymouth United Church of Christ. I am Pastor David, and on behalf of the members of this congregation, thank you very much for joining us. May God bless you through these words, and may you know God's love through them. Now, the podcast. The Old Testament lesson for today comes from Amos 6. Alas, for those who are at ease in Zion, and for those who feel secure on Mount Samaria. Alas, for those who lie on beds of ivory, and lounge on their couches, and eat lambs from the flock, and calves, calves from the stall, who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp, and like David improvise on instruments of music, who drink wine from bowls, and anoint themselves with the finest oils, but are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore they shall now be the first to go into exile, and the revelry of the loungers shall pass away. The gospel lesson, we continue reading out of the Gospel of Luke, and we're following up where we left off last week. Jesus has been speaking to his Pharisees and his disciples and some other people around him uh, for a, a few chapters, so we just kind of continue uh, Jesus' teaching to the people around him. And so here now and listen for how God is speaking to you through these words of Luke's gospel. Jesus offers this parable. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus with sores, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should have listened to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Here ends the reading. Thanks be to God. This is another reading that's kind of difficult to, uh, to listen to. I, uh, Jesus has been on a, a, a bit of a rant, a bit of a tear against uh, Pharisees and some of the other people around him, uh, and certainly on a, a, a rant uh, here, a number of parables in a row about the dangers of wealth or the dangers of loving money, of putting money before people, of letting things get in the way of relationships and in the way of community. 
For a couple of chapters, he's been hammering away on the Pharisees here and others that the text describe as lovers of money. Lovers of money. And I, I say, let's be honest with ourselves. At some level, I think at some level, we're all lovers of money. It's a matter of how uh, that gets uh, lived out, but at some level, we all kind of love money because we recognize that we need it. Try to live without money. It's really, really difficult. You know, you can come out with us on the street ministry and talk to people who are living on nothing or very close to nothing, and it's very, very difficult. And even amongst those who have uh, chosen to try to live without money, and I've you may have seen them on uh, documentaries or shows sometimes. There are some people that are really, uh, that have a house and some land that are trying to live without money as much as they can. That try to that barter for everything, that make as much as they can on their own, grow their own food, try to live off the grid. But even they need money sometimes. Their property taxes to pay, maybe stamps to buy. Uh, and, and I don't know if you've ever tried to barter with the government. <laughs> but they really don't want a you know, couple chickens and a pig uh, instead of your property taxes. Being without uh, money is, is, is very difficult, and, and so we need it. And I, I think Jesus even recognized that. He's not anti-money. Not anti-money. Jesus is not really ever anti-any kind of just thing, uh, whether it be... Uh, something physical like a house or livestock or having clothing or having food. I mean, recognize this money is needed uh, to buy those and he's not against any of those in and of themselves and he's not against something as abstract as money. Jesus' concern is for us. Jesus' concern is for people and how we relate to our things and how we relate to other people. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's not just anti-wealth or anti-money. It's about bad attitudes around things and wealth and money and other people. For Jesus, people come first. Someone's immediate need is more important than our wants or desires. So we have in this a parable, a rich man and a poor man. The rich man is very rich. He wears purple, so possibly a noble. Definitely wealthy, eats rich food, has a gate on his house. Uh, and he's, he's, he's so rich, he doesn't even need to be part of the world. Because he can put a gate on his house. He can create his own reality. He can create a, a, a sort of his own bubble of reality because he has so much money. He doesn't have to be part of the world. And the poor man is very poor. He has open sores that the dogs lick. He lives at the rich man's gate. He longs to eat the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table. But the poor man does have one thing that the rich man doesn't have. At least in this parable, as Jesus tells, us, tells it, the poor man here has something the rich man doesn't. He has a name. He's named. Lazarus. And that means God has helped. A 
Eliezer is the, the older Hebrew form of Lazarus. God has helped. Unique among Jesus' parables, it is this poor, poor man who gets a name. In Jesus' parables, the characters are always generic, generic people, except here. Here we have a specific one, Lazarus. God has helped. To remind us, I think, that poor people have names. That the people outside our walls have names. The people on the margins have names. The people on the other side of the gate, whether they're on the inside of the prison or outside of our gated communities, whatever, the people that feed my people, the people at the free clinic, the people who receive food stamps, they have names. They have names because they're people. And names are very important. Once you have a name, you're kind of someone. You have an identity, this name. Once you learn someone's name, they're no longer a stranger. They're now someone that you know. You know them by name. They're now a concrete person, no longer a stranger. You know, or, or babies, when babies are born, people look at it and go, oh, how cute, spitting image of his father, say other things. But what they really want to know, what's the name? What will you name her? When the, the royal baby was uh, born last a uh, few months ago. You know, it took him a number of days to name it. It was just kind of the royal baby during that time. But then once he was named, ah, now he's someone. Now we have a name to put on this baby. And Jesus reminds us that the guy with the cup who's asking for change has a name, Lazarus. God has helped. The woman working on the street has a name, Lazarus. God has helped. The shabby woman pushing the shopping cart around town is Lazarus. God has helped. And Lazarus have, all these Lazaruses have birthdays. They have parents or had parents. They're from somewhere. They have stories that are their own, all of which are tied up in their identity. They're people. They have a name. So Lazarus and the rich man die, and the rich man gets a burial, but he ends up in a place of fire and torment. Lazarus gets taken up by angels to be with Abraham. Abraham, the father of the faith. And Abraham, who was also the father of the nation from which Lazarus and the rich man both come. They are of the same family. They are people of Abraham. But now the rich man longs for comfort and relief. No more rich food for him. He would be happy now for water. Now this man who, who, who gave nothing but crumbs, if he gave anything at all to Lazarus, now demands to suckle water off Lazarus's finger. More indignity on Lazarus. And I'm not sure if the rich man knew Lazarus's name while they were alive. Somehow he knows Lazarus's name now that they're in this place, but he doesn't address Lazarus directly. He refers to Lazarus uh, through Abraham. He talks about him in the third person. He tells Abraham to send Lazarus with water. 
He still has this bad attitude. He has ignored Lazarus, and now he sees him only as a tool, as something to come bring him water. And then he tells Abraham to send Lazarus to go warn his brothers. And Abraham says no to both of these demands. And they're demands, not requests. They're demands. Abraham says, no, rich man, you had plenty while you were alive. And now a great chasm divides you and Lazarus. Just as the economic chasm that you created before, the physical chasm that you created with your gate, the chasm of faith you created by not paying attention to Lazarus, there is now a chasm between you and between me and Lazarus. The rich man is now not part of the community of Abraham. Separated. And Abraham and Jesus, because he's the one telling the story, is implying here the rich man built this separation himself, this divide between me and them, or here and there. But guess what? God is there. And God is with them. And he says, your brothers have Moses and the prophets already. That's all they need. Sending someone, even one who rose from the death, is not going to make any difference to them. If they've not heard the message already, they're not going to hear it just because someone shows up and says that they've risen from the dead. That's a message to us, I think, uh, that we need as well. There are no unambiguous, definite signs like the rich man wants in order to believe what Moses and the prophets and Jesus have already said. We don't get that kind of definite, obvious sign that is unambiguous. But we do get other signs. And one of those signs that we get is the very definite and unambiguous sign of human suffering in which Jesus can be seen in the suffering. You know, the rich man's sin here is not that he's rich. There's no sin in that necessarily. Not, not a, he's not wrong because he has a house and that he eats well. He doesn't appear to be malicious or abusive or rude to Lazarus or to anyone else. His problem here is apathy. His apathy toward Lazarus. He separated himself. How many times did he walk by Lazarus and never say hello or ask him his name or ask him his story? The rich man's failure is that he forgot that we are all Lazarus. At one level or another, God has helped. We are all the rich man in some ways. We are all Lazarus in some ways. And we all have names. Names which God knows. We have a, a, a couple of baptisms coming up. And in baptism, we're baptized by name. We don't say, I baptize you, uh, brown-haired guy. <laughs> or I baptize you, carpenter man. Or teacher woman. Right? We baptize by name. Who we are, what we've done, who we will be. Whether it's good or bad, none of that matters. We're baptized by name. 
and we're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> Pretty soon. She likes this corner. We're baptized by name, baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that, I think, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. God knows us by name. And we might not look like Lazarus with his open sores and his dog licks and his poverty and desperation, his unkempt hair and his bad smell. But Lazarus is certainly the spitting image of God. And he has a name. Amen. And that is the good news for this day and for all days. Thank you again for listening to the Sermons and Sounds of Plymouth podcast. If you are in the Eau Claire area, we especially invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I invite you also to check out our website at pcucc.com for upcoming events and special worship services. From Plymouth United Church of Christ, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this is Pastor David. Thank you for spending this time with us. May God bless you.